Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. Ren with Nick and Sam. Uh, guys, how's it going? Sam, what's up? Not too much, Ren. Getting excited for March Madness, but we have another snowstorm on the way. So, yeah. well, the snow. It, it never stops here. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well. Soaking in the... Uh... Uh, conference tournaments as well as the players championship so it's it's tough to know which uh sporting event to watch at work yeah <laughs> you gotta prioritize i mean i was off today and i just spent all day watching players what a and, uh, beautiful day to be off <laughs> right yeah boys hockey tournament was what i spent most of my day watching. and yeah i did two screens pretty much all day as well so it's uh it's like it's probably this time of year is probably close second in my mind to like mid fall, you know, like October maybe. Um, as the far World as Series, sports, yeah, sports happening all at once. Uh, it's exciting times. Speaking of March Madness, though, we're talking basketball in this uh, week's thirty to thirty. Um, we are reviewing Soul Man, S O L E, the spelling there, um, directed by John Weinbach and Dan Marks. This came out in twenty fifteen. Um, it's the story of Sonny Bucaro, who uh, is just kind of in and around basketball. He played a huge, the, the main role in getting um, Michael Jordan to Nike. He worked for Nike, then Adidas. Um, he kind of was in the youth and college basketball scene for decades. Um, and, and that's really, it, it's a uh, linear, I guess. Um, biography of Sonny Baccaro up to his uh, last kind of big um, impact on the sports world, which was kind of the first lawsuit that started the NIL um, and all that in 2014. Um, Sam, what did you, you think initially from this one? Um, I'm definitely a sucker for hearing about all-time greats and, and how like their shoe shoe deals came to be or hearing about them in high school or college. So I was definitely fascinated by this one. And I've definitely heard of Sonny before. Um, I think I read a book about LeBron a long time ago and they mentioned him quite a bit. And then of course the new, uh, there's a, a new de- Nike documentary coming out pretty soon or not documentary movie that's coming out in April. I think, uh, that talks a lot about him. I think it might focus on him. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was really interesting um, to kind of hear about how he was the deciding factor in you know signing Michael Jordan and you know pushing all the chips into the table on Michael Jordan, which at the time like now seems like oh of course that was the right decision, but at the time it was super risky to just be like oh we're gonna throw all our money into this number three pick who we don't really know much about and give him his own shoe deal and everything because that really wasn't how it was done back then and even now it's not really done like that um and then it turned into just an absolute monster and then from there his legacy kind of just grew going into like uh high school teams and college teams and i thought it was interesting them talking about how he couldn't pay college players to um wear the shoe but he could pay college coaches to encourage their players to wear the shoe which was pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, that kind of went all over the place there, but learned a lot. I thought it was interesting. What did you guys think? Or Rudy, what did you think? 
Yeah, I liked learning about um, that because we've grown up and it's only been, you know, this school is a Nike school. This school is an Under Armour school. Um, this, uh, you know, LeBron is Nike. Uh, like, I feel like we've all we've we've grown up in the era afterwards and it's just expected for those brands to be um, you know, marketed through athletes and through schools. But to hear about how that um, started was very interesting. Um, you know, with the uh, uh, Big East documentary that we have seen um, with this doc or with this doc series, um, like they went over that with the uh, Big East or Requiem for the Big East. I think it was um, they went through that. And so that kind of, uh, I guess, dusted off some cobwebs and, you know, made me remember them talking about that, um, which I found to be interesting. Um, yeah, it, it was just interesting to see how his, his mind works. Um, of course, it's, you know, now we're talking in hindsight and it seems that he's, you know, never been wrong at all. But um, but it was kind of fun to get in that mindset to understand what he was thinking and then to see how well it panned out, too. It makes me wonder if there was any brands that ever, like, you know, put a bunch of money into someone who, you know, didn't work or like what if Michael Jordan, uh, you know, didn't work out? What would have happened? Um, would it have put? you know nike fully under or was it just you know the the million dollars that they gave him at first and and then that was that but um but yeah just an interesting look at it what about you ren yeah i i agree i think it was very educational um overall i, I did learn a lot um and it was kind of that category of stuff that you know i'm glad i know now that i i wished i had known before just kind of the timeline of of how all this stuff went down um, in college basketball. It, it did remind me of, of where we're at now with NIL. Just like it's right now, it's the, it's the Wild West with the no reg, like the regulations and non regulations with NIL. And back then it was like it was the Wild West for like coaches were getting paid to, you know, encourage their their kids to wear certain shoes. And that wouldn't, that wouldn't be fly now. Like, it, it, everything is much more regulated as far as that goes and even the prep scene uh, which is still kind of the wild west but like it was even more unregulated back then so it's just kind of interesting to see how he was navigating all this chaos um and yeah i, I wasn't it wasn't like necessarily my favorite documentary i think it was definitely more educational than entertaining um it was probably like an hour 15 minutes something like that I probably overall thought it could be a little bit shorter, but it, it really did have a lot of different storylines and plot points that were interesting and, and definitely merited this documentary. Um, so for that, I, I appreciated it. Uh, just overall with the, like the format to me, it, it, they broke it down into like, I don't know, three, like four or five acts or something. And they, you know, one was the beginning and then one was, um, Michael Jordan assigning him. Another one was Kobe. Another one was um, LeBron, I think. And another one was his kind of post-career, his second career lawsuit against NCAA. Um, and so to me, uh, the format just wasn't really conducive to keeping attention, I think, for, for an hour and 20 minutes, just because it was so long. It was uh, starting a new story every, like, you know, and fifths really um but there were certain things that i, I probably 
uh, wouldn't have always liked, but I, they did a lot of like recreations with, with cartoons and drawings and stuff. And I thought that actually kind of did work. Um, they just did little animations, you know, drawing animations of either transcribing or animating what people were saying, interviewees were saying, or just major plot points and scenes that people were describing. And I thought that worked. And to me, that's better, by far better than a, a corny recreation with actors that we've criticized before. Um, so yeah, what did you guys think kind of the format and, uh, and that? I'll say that it worked at times, but I thought it was really, really annoying at times too. Like when he was talking about having the guts to be able to um, make a move, I forget what it was. And then they had like an, an, an anatomy like diagram or, or like yeah, a caricature of like your digestive system. I thought they held on to that way too long. So I felt like at times it was like, okay, like let's get over this. Or um, sometimes it was like when they would write on the screen what he was saying, but it was so obnoxious that I was like trying to figure out if I should be reading or if I should be listening or like what. So that was like my one critique or one you know, issue with it. I agree with both of you. Ren, I completely agree that I would rather have the animated things on the screen than, you know, the actors who are standing in an empty stadium pretending to <laughs> play a game or something like we've seen in so many of the, like some of the awful documentaries that we watch so far. Uh, as far as like it breaking into the different uh, acts or however you want to say it, chapters, uh, I actually really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, just because each act was so important in his career and also like a defining moment in like the shoe industry, I would say like, I didn't really realize how big of a deal it was to, or like chase it after Kobe Bryant when he was in high school um, and like the relationship building and everything that went into that. Um, and then obviously LeBron and how, like if Adidas lands LeBron, they end up, you know, maybe surpassing Nike in, in some way. Um, and so I think they definitely hit like the major points with those chapters. And with that, I thought it was just uh, those stories were just super interesting because they're people that we know so well, but don't necessarily know the background as to how they got uh, into the shoe company or the situation that they were in. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, well, it's, it's this is another one of those documentaries that we've coincidentally reviewed when, you know, part of it or a storyline or a person, a character in it is is topical to the current day. And, and next I'm trying to draw is like you mentioned, the movie of this of this guy is is kind of coming out. The movie is coming out in April and it's it's basically a Matt Damon playing Sonny Vaccaro as uh, the story is just about them courting Michael Jordan, uh, essentially at Nike courting him and that's what the scope story is about which is the big, big, uh, biggest storyline in this documentary, documentary we just watched. Um, and so what, what do we think about that? I guess that was clearly his, his biggest claim to fame. Most, you know, I mean, obviously it's a massive, a massive thing, a massive get. How crazy, what do we think? Like how much did this affect Nike? It was, it was, it was describing how they almost um, doubled their Nike's um, profits in one year after Jordan. Um, I mean, that's, that's nuts. I don't think anything's been like that since. In, in, uh, 
Well, I talked about, I think he told the story about how they went to like a mansion for the weekend and we're talking about all like the big wigs at Nike. We're talking about different strategies as far as how to go about um, getting their basketball shoe on these players' feet. And they, I think they were debating like giving a, a little bit of money to a few different guys. And then Sonny Vaccaro claims that he was like, no, like we need to put all our money and give it to one guy. And that guy's Michael Jordan. Um, and if that's true, what a move by Sonny. But also like Rudy talked about earlier, that could have been so devastating to Nike if they had chosen, I don't know, whoever was it Sam Bowie or whoever was like second overall when Michael Jordan was third overall. Or, I mean, obviously now it looks like a, an amazing thing and, they doubled their money and everything, but it could have been terrible. Um, the idea of going all in on somebody though, and like creating a shoe brand around one person that that was really fascinating. And I think uh, a game changer, obviously, what do you think, Rudy? Yeah. I mean, it was a completely radical idea. High boomer bust. You could argue more, you know, bust potential and boom. Um, yeah. Because even if, Le- or sorry, even if MJ, was um like a like a like an all-star but not like a monumental player i mean would that have worked out i mean the the ceiling or really the bar had to be so high um and then the ceiling so high for this to work out and obviously you couldn't draw it up any better than how it did work out um that much power within just one person to um you know be able to bolster a company uh, in their revenue so much. And then, oh, wait, they did it again with LeBron later, which completely made sense because they saw from a firsthand experience how much, you know, one player can um, create such a such an impact on an organization. Um, and it was clearly working before MJ became what he became, you know? Like, they sold so many shoes yeah. in that first year, and it took him, what, like six or seven years to win his first NBA title. Yeah. So it's not like not like that success came right away so like what a marketing job done by nike to just sell these shoes like crazy for a a player who's brand new and yeah he's a great dunker and plays in chicago and everything but he was still like relatively unknown at that point right yeah it's kind of weird they didn't just people weren't starting to hop on once stars became stars like why weren't they just focusing on the current stars the nba and then waiting. I mean, I suppose that was, there's a reason for that is it'd be too late to wait, but that was where the business was at that point. Um, one criticism I had about this was that they talked about, because he got fired from Nike in what, mid-90s or something. Um, and they never really told us why. Like they said it was, it was contentious and, you know, um, they, they, one interviewer said, interviewee said, Maybe he was he wanted more influence and more control, but they never really told us why. And I thought that was kind of a big question. I was like, okay, they just kind of skimmed over that um, why he got fired. Essentially, the real reason why he got fired. Um, Do you guys have that question too, or do you think they they did it well enough? I thought that they kind of talked about the fact that Sonny was getting a bad reputation it, it seemed like and that nike didn't want to be a part of that that's kind of what i took away from it but maybe i was reading into it a little too much because that was at the time that he was um in the in the same like he was giving money to players as the rumors and all of that right 
Oh, right. Yeah, it probably played played a role. I just thought that that that's a big plot point of this, and they, and I was yeah. just kind of confused about yeah why that's that happened. Hey, Sonny definitely sold it as like I was just doing my job and I could yeah. really do what I wanted, and then all of a sudden, Phil Knight was in there and I was walking to the door with security, like <laughs> like he just canned me right there. You know? And then I didn't say anything against him because I'm a stand-up guy. And <laughs> yeah, I know. And also that graphic or that animation was really weird too. What was that I, one like? I think they were trying to make it like he was looking down a revolver and they put the animated Sonny in this like tube. And then, then Phil Knight was looking from the top of the tube and he was trying to like crawl out of there. Do you remember yeah, that at all? Or... Yeah, I vaguely do. Yeah, I would, I just thought it was very weird, but and and me describing it for anybody who doesn't remember that <laughs> sounds like <laughs> I'm on drugs or something. So, <laughs> um, well, then he went to Adidas, and the big goal after he got Kobe, who then left. I never really actually knew Kobe went with with Adidas, but um, the big the big goal and the big fish was to reel in LeBron. Ultimately, obviously we know Nike got him. Um, Sonny claims that it was because they didn't offer enough money, which is probably, I don't have any, I'm not questioning that. Um, do we think if he had gone to Adidas, Adidas would be massive and way bigger than they are right now? Do you think they would be, you know, have passed Nike like Sonny was sort of saying it would have personally I don't think it would have changed it that much Adidas has gotten big stars now LeBron is bigger than anyone but MJ but still I don't know if they would be monumentally bigger than they are right now as far as reach I think it's so dependent on the marketing that went around LeBron and if they had like pleased him enough where he stayed because like clearly Kobe wasn't pleased enough with Adidas and he ended up going with Nike anyways. But like if Nike or if Adidas did even close to what Nike's been able to do as far as just building this massive brand and just creating shoe after shoe and these really awesome shoes that kids want and all and people want all over the world, I would say that Adidas is probably a lot closer to Nike than they are right now just because of how LeBron's career has gone. Like he's been so relevant since like 2001, you know, like he was a junior in high school and then goes on and has been, he made like what nine finals or something just absurd. And it's mm-hmm. just, just past Kareem. Like he's still relevant, still the biggest name in sports. If anything happens with LeBron, it's front and center for you. So I think if he's wearing Adidas shoes, things are definitely a lot different. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know if, you know, we'll never know like how close they would have been. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, was a monumental generational talent. Um, You know, like you said, relevant for the last 22 years. He's, um, you know, he's stayed with Nike. So it would have just been a factor of staying with Adidas if they could have kept him happy enough there. Okay, but he he's with Nike and it's not like he has his own brand there he has his own shoe line but he's not he doesn't have air jordan's a comparable brand to air jordan's like i just think that air jordan was first and their shoe space you know a whole bunch of things came together where they were first with the signature shoe with the greatest of all time 
with a cool looking shoe. Um, and so it's hard to be second and Laurent wouldn't have been second. He would have been, you know, there's ton now there there's tons of shoe deals out there. And so it's hard to have like a unique for it to seem as special, I feel like, even comparable to uh, the first Jordan. I'd agree. Yeah, he wouldn't have his own like company off of it like like Michael has. I, and so that's a good point. But yeah. as far as a signature shoe goes, could there be like anybody bigger than LeBron other than MJ at this point? So like they Adidas would have the second biggest signature shoe in the world, right? Basically. True. And then it's like, what would that shoe look like? It probably looked like what they gave Tracy McGrady or something. And I, I'm not like a shoe guy, but I don't know. Can we just talk about Tracy McGrady for a second? I loved Tracy McGrady growing up and seeing him in this doc. I was so excited because I had a pair of the T-Max okay. in Me green. Too. And I love, like, I thought they were the coolest shoe in the whole world. Like, I yeah. could not put those on my feet fast enough on the basketball. <laughs> T-Mac was awesome. Definitely one of those, like, players that, the what-if careers that we talked yeah. about. Yeah. He had a really good career, but I feel like, it, the injuries definitely took it away a little too early. Must have and been. and because he left Toronto, Toronto, and then then we had Magic, and then Houston, Houston. Yeah, it was awesome. Played with Yao for a while. That the dream, the dream duo. <laughs> so there's, I mean, there's a couple of questions that this brings up, and it's the whole topic of you know, it's the nil adjacent you know argument and and, and topic. This was produced in 2015 when when we weren't as we haven't progressed down the road as much as we have now with with NCAA athletes and their rights and their ability to make money. Um, there is a quote in here where Calipari was kind of defending the arguments, you know, the people that have criticized Sonny Baccaro uh, saying, um, or excuse me, that that Sonny Baccaro was criticizing the NCAA saying that like you know. The schools and the NCAA are profiting off these kids' backs, which is now a common thing that people have been saying have been saying now for years. Um, and Calipari was like, "Are we making money off these kids?" And he's like, "That's ridiculous." And now that's like a common, you know, that'd be a silly thing for him to say because a lot of people just kind of agree with that statement, right? We've come a long way as far as the way we view athletics, uh, the NCAA especially, and student athletes and all that stuff. Um, it just it, it was just to me that was just an interesting thing to find with all these coaches that you know I'm sure a lot of coaches nowadays are still upset but you know I know they are with how the NIL is going but a lot of it is because they are probably losing a lot of power and ability to you know retain these players and all that kind of thing yeah I totally agree um you'd have to think that they're coaches of had a feeling that they were like going to lose power and possibly money because of all of this. And like, you have to wonder if that's actually going to happen or like if the NLI isn't going to impact it quite as much as you, you would think. Right. Or NIL. Sorry. What do you think, Rudy? Uh, impact what? Sorry. Like impact the coaches power. And I mean, it won't impact their money. I, I don't think, but like what Ren just talked about it possibly decreasing the amount of power that they have or that they feel that they have. Like, do you agree with that? Um, and, and maybe power is not the right word. Maybe it's just more their ability to do things the way they want to do it. And obviously that's changed in the past two and a half yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, I, 
yeah is it nil is it just this new um or just this generation's way of viewing it i guess like you know what i'm thinking of is like roy williams um jim Beheim, um you know coach kl leaving and i feel like they've had to turn their programs you know from what it was before where it was like juniors and seniors were playing now it's like freshmen um you know the big kind of rumor story is with roy williams uh retiring um was in part because he wasn't able to coach kids anymore it was just uh college was a vehicle to allow them to get onto the pros so like with walker kessler um he played him sparingly his freshman year because he typically doesn't play freshmen a whole lot or rely on them um and he just wanted to play and he didn't want to play the way that like a UNC big man typically plays, at least in Roy Williams system. And so then he transferred away after a year. And so I feel like, you know, or I, I should say the rumors were that, um, that Roy was like, well, you know, like I can't coach people the way I want to coach them anymore. And so like, is that NIL? I mean, I was technically before NIL, but is that just a generational thing? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a confluence of things, right? It's like yeah. the, trans- the transfer rule being looser now, the NIL, right. the newer players, the newer mindset, um, and also the other options that are becoming more relevant as far as you're know, going to play in Australia instead of going to college or G League mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so it's just like the theme is like it's more options for the players, right? It's more options for the kids. And and it's tough because obviously I've seen like the downsides of, you know, how the NIL being so unregulated has hurt certain programs that don't have the connections to certain companies that provide these, these put in place deals um, or just the funds or whatever uh, to lure athletes and to recruit them. But I think that's mostly because there's just so few rules right now. It's such, it's like the wild west again, like we talked about before. And it, to me, it's partially because the NCAA half, you know, didn't do their job fully. And when they, or when this was all coming to be and coming to be allowed, there was not enough done to provide a structure and a guideline and a format. And I think that's the biggest problem right now. Um, Every college coach would probably tell you and has said publicly that like, they're like, yeah, they don't know what's going on. Like they're just trying to figure it out as they go, which is kind of a sad situation for all these, pretty much every athletics uh, department to be in where they're like having to figure all this out on the fly along with doing everything else. And I mean, and for the kids too, they gotta, they gotta figure out what's going on. So it's just like, as I was watching this doc, it was just like bringing up all these thoughts that are like unanswerable right now. It's like, I don't even know the answer to any of this. It's kind of frustrating some of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like this industry is so complicated. If you want, I mean, if you want to call it college sports and industry. Yeah, and it's so hard for the NCAA to regulate something that they didn't even like truly understand what it would become because there's so many deals out there that, you know, nobody even thought were possible. Um, Random companies or influencers and stuff that are paying these college athletes money that for, you know, just wild things. And you have to wonder how much regulation is going to come out of that in like the next five to 10 years? Like, is there going to be a huge rule book put in place? Probably. But how how will that change things? You know? Yeah, uh, exactly. 
Um, any other big points we wanted to touch on about this documentary that we haven't? I, I guess so. the last thing I wanted to just ask is what is your overall opinion of Sonny Picard? Like, do we think he's a good guy? Do we think his net body of work is positive or negative or neutral? <laughs> what do we think? Rudy, how about, what do you think? He, he seems, I mean, he's a schmoozer, right? Like, he got to, to be with all these big um, celebrity, um, big players. And, and I don't know, like, how he, he just was able to become so close to, you know, like MJ and LeBron. Now, is that the doc selling it a little more than what it was? Like, we don't know. I don't know if he had, like, bad intentions necessarily. Like, I don't think he would have been able to see, like, what all of this would have turned into type of an idea. I think that's not realistic. Um, so I don't know if I could call him a bad guy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Ren, what is your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know is I guess what my overall thoughts are. I did like the end where he was, I don't know. He was do he was, you know, proposing the lawsuit to, to help people help the basically start the NIL and, um, I thought that was overall objectively like, a good thing for student athletes and for these people. Um, uh, overall, for most of it, I kind of he did yeah seem pretty sleazy and and stuff. And a lot of people probably were, and that's kind of how it worked. And it's one of those things where like if it wasn't him, everybody else would have done it too. And he was just better at it than everybody else, that kind of thing. So it's hard to only criticize him. Uh, but yeah, the, the youth basketball thing, uh, is not fun to learn about, you know, it's kind of just depressing and, and every, it's not the first time I, any of us have like read about it or whatever. It's just kind of a bummer in general, but I don't know like that, what the answer is. So yeah, I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of him. He's very self-promoting, but who isn't, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a, yeah, that's all. Those are my thoughts. Sam, who are you? I'm right there with you. Now that you mentioned it, anytime that like youth basketball is mentioned in a documentary or like this one, I feel like I just like tighten up and get like, frustrated. Yeah. I don't really know why. Like I don't have that much of a connection. Like I stopped playing basketball as like a freshman and, but I'm just like, I, I watch yeah. it and I'm, I don't know. I just feel like frustrated that there's so much going on behind the scenes, I think. Um, and that uh, all these kids are like being taken so, a lot of kids are being taken advantage of in um, by people like Sonny. Um, but I mean, I do respect the fact like he was really good at what he did. Like you said, it's one of those guys that like made a few lucky decisions or, or made a few good decisions or got lucky a few times and ended up like really high up in Nike. Like he could have easily been like an awesome car salesman or something like that with his, you know, he's so charismatic and can sell anything to anybody. He just happened to, you know, find a way into Nike and um, the shoe business. But I think somebody else would have done it. Well, if, if he didn't do it, like you said, it was, it was, there's money to be made and people are always going to find a way to do it. Uh, he was just very good at it. So I don't know. It's hard to fault him, but definitely seems sleazy. And I don't think he's like as good of a guy as this documentary makes him seem it, as we've all said so far. Yeah. yeah, because he was successful, but to the fault of, you know, his athlete, I mean, or of like the youth, like we're saying, like he was able to exploit a avenue that nobody had before. But is that an ethical avenue to exploit? We can debate it. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, um, I'll give a rating. Um, like I said, I think it was more like educational, informative than super, you know, I wasn't um, super uh, drawn in nonstop. I'm going to give it a 5.65 basketball sandals because one of the first things he mentioned when he got in contact with Nike and started working with them was that he pitched a basketball sandal and they, they had a little sketch of it and it looked absurd. I, like what if that was the thing he decided to put a, he told him to put a hundred million dollars into instead of MJ. Like that, that was yeah. like a joke. <laughs> like, um, He's like MJ's signature shoe is actually going to be this sandal. Not yeah. The- not the red and black shoe that you came to know (laughs) all right um i am gonna go with 7.07 t max sneakers this is definitely in my wheelhouse of just learning um about these all-time greats and kind of their path to greatness and i thought that this kind of gave insight into you know mj kobe lebron and others and um so i really enjoyed that aspect of it and learning about nike and adidas and that rivalry but i I, like i i think a lot of it was like a little bit too good to be true um the the animations that we talked about weren't awesome but it they could have been worse um and i thought some of the interviews that they got were, were really good too so overall really informative not my favorite um but i i definitely would watch it again or um you know, to learn. So Rudy, what'd you think? Yeah, I, um, I, I felt like it was long, like Ren said um, earlier. Um, I don't think it could have, or in SS, it, it needed to be that long, I guess. I found myself getting bored, um, kind of in the middle point of it. I thought it was kind of cheesy that they like looped in, like how good of a person he is at the end with um, like the lawsuit with like NIL and, and uh just focusing on like he was a spearheading that type of a movement. Um, I was wondering how they were going to be able to keep going at like, I don't know if it was 50 or 55 or 60 minutes and there was like 20 minutes left. And I felt like they were like wrapping it all up. And then it was like, you know, a sharp transition. Um, Like I said, some of the um, uh, animations were a little too much for me, but um, it was fine. It was, you know, educational. Like Ren said, it was, um you know an interesting topic but um just got to be a little too much for me but um and i kind of felt like it was just him talking about himself the whole time which is kind of rubbed me wrong but um i'm i'll give him a 5.25 uh mobsters because he just seemed like a mobster and i know they talked about that at, at a time and i was like that's exactly what i have in my mind <laughs> he also matt damon looks nothing like him i just watched the trailer and they don't even put like a wig on him or anything. Like they didn't. I don't know. It's just a weird choice to have him play him. I would agree. Um, okay, just pl- plugged it in. It's five point nine nine out of ten, which puts it forty sixth out of sixty seven documentaries. So a little worse than the middle. Sounds good. We haven't. We went on a run there. I think of a lot of really good ones, and then and now the past two or three have been, eh. You know, not not like. Just mediocre, I guess. Hopefully we'll get hot again here soon. Yeah, it's bound to happen. We're streaky. Um, okay, we're going to play Mount Rushmore, a fun one here. Um, food and Mount Rushmore's for us make for usually a fun result. So we're going to do just kind of a randomly 
a random category, foods that start with S. There's got to be a lot that start with S, right? Um, I think Sam leads us up, then Nick, then me. So uh, fire away, Sam. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Choose wisely. I know, this isn't easy. Foods that start with S. I think I'm just going to start off with, with a pretty basic one here, and that is just salsa. Really, salsa, chips and salsa when you go to a Mexican restaurant, uh, absolute dynamite, especially when they're free. And uh, I think my favorite salsa of all time, and you guys might disagree, is green salsa. What are your thoughts? Disagree. I mean, I disagree too, but I like it. It's just not my favorite. I prefer the the red. Isn't green salsa usually hot or hotter? Or is it not always? Not always, but like you, they definitely have some hot ones. I always avoid it because I think it's hotter. So <laughs> fair enough. Just try it sometime. Give it a All chance. Right. <laughs> we go with spaghetti. Good choice. Yep, that's a solid pick. Pasta is always a solid pick. Uh, my turn. Sardines. No, just kidding. I'm gonna do. <laughs> that is the worst pick. <laughs> uh, how about sandwiches? I feel like that covers a lot, and I eat sandwiches all the time. Um, sandwiches are beautiful. Sandwiches are fun. I love sandwiches. I eat them all the time. Okay. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I agree. You guys ever heard that before? No. no. <laughs> I think my mom used to sing that. <laughs> That's so random. Yep. You probably complained about sandwiches so much until she's like, fine, I'll make a dumb little song about it. And then, and then you're singing it all the time and you can't get enough sandwiches. I don't know why that popped into my head, but that's I cool. love that. That's our new theme music. We're, we're getting rid of happy life and we're t- putting in <laughs> sandwiches are fun or whatever. Sandwiches are beautiful. Sandwiches are fine. I love sandwiches. I eat them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> uh, okay. No, sandwiches. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. My next pick is going to be sushi. Oh, um, red. Yeah. Sushi. Can't really miss this. Well, you can, but uh, there can be really bad sushi, but really good sushi or medium sushi is, is top tier to me. So I don't think we've talked about the sushi in Hawaii. What did, did you just wreck sushi in all over Hawaii? Uh, no, I mean, I, I didn't have it as, I mostly had like poke, which is essentially sushi in a different form. You know, it's rice and fish, raw fish. It's just cut up into little pieces. Okay. Um, so I had way more of that than sushi. I had sushi a few times and it was good, but you got to make sure you still have to make sure like with anything that you're getting the fresh stuff that'll make a difference being in Hawaii, you know? Um, but yeah, I had more did poke. Okay. Interesting. I don't think I've ever had poke actually. Yeah, poke is the best. If it's fresh, it's so good. Um, you have any any Twin Cities places that are worth checking out? I'm not gonna recommend any any here. No, I mean they like I've had a, a couple and they're fine. And some are bad. I haven't tried some of the ones that I can tell are gonna be bad. It's just it's hard because you want. I feel I'm just really spoiled. I guess you know I've had like really fresh and really good. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, I like uh, Ono Hawaiian plates if you want to try it. It's pretty good, but it's not, nowhere near like a fresh grocery store poke in Hawaii. Okay. All right, Rudy. Yep. I'm going to go with the uh, classic Snickers. 
<laughs> I feel like Snickers. That's not the first time you picked Snickers in one of our drafts. That's a that's a great. I can't remember the last time I had a Snickers. Oh, golf season. Oh yeah, I eat them a lot in golf season. Actually, really. I feel like I only eat candy bars during Halloween. I did Snickers ice cream bar for a uh, for gas station food. Ren, you and I aren't the same. I eat so many. And then I did Halloween candy Snickers. <laughs> yeah, Clearly, I like Snickers, guys. Three yeah, Snickers picks. <laughs> <laughs> when Ren notices and remembers, that's what you got. <laughs> the like important you things. Getting deja vu sitting here. <laughs> um, I'm going to go sweet potato fries as mm. uh, a pick. Um. You know, they've grown on me recently. I used to not be a fan, but they're definitely pretty good. The ones from Trader Joe's are awesome. So we I got those. those. They are good. Yeah, they're super good. Um, a little healthier than the normal fry, so I'll go with that. And then how about just soup? If, mm. if Ren can go with sandwiches, like generic sandwiches or sushi, I'm going to go with soup because winter soup – Game over. So good. Undefeated. It's the best. And it's the best thing about it is that it's better as leftovers than it is the first day. True. Yeah, let it marinate. Let it cook. Um, I am going to go with strawberries. Ooh, I forgot about the, that. Like a good strawberry is really hard to beat. The problem is there's like only two good strawberries whenever you get like a package <laughs> of strawberries. And they go bad so fast. So fast. Yep. So you want to savor them and be like, well, I'll save them for later in the week. And then they're terrible. So I found that if you don't cut off the tops of the strawberries and like wash them and cut them right away, then about half of them always go bad. For some reason, I just never, I just never want to like eat them if they're not like cut up and ready for me. So I just leave them and they rot. (laughs) Okay. My turn. Uh, What do I want to pick. I'm going to go with like sausage just because I feel like that covers a lot of your bases and it's, you can have breakfast sausage, you can have, you know, like Italian sausage, um, sausage on pizza. Dinner sausage. What's your go-to sausage to pick? I feel like I could ask you that about any of your picks so far. What's your go-to sandwich, sushi, or sausage? (laughs) Go-to sushi is generally like a spicy tuna roll. I prefer the rolls. Yeah. Um, Go-to sandwich is a really hard question just because I, I love – my favorite sandwich I ever had was this last summer at Katz's in New York. It was like pastrami, like the best pastrami I've ever had. That's really good. But also, like, I love other kinds of sandwiches too. Um, so that's really hard. Go-to sausage, I don't know. I mean, I love, like, a good, like an intense sausage. Those are always good. But, like, a breakfast sausage blank is good. I don't really eat that very often. Yeah, like, I've been eating these, like, chicken – sausages like from the grocery store with like uh they have like different things in them like sundry tomatoes or whatever do you eat any of them while you were at lambo for the the game i don't think i did oh no i had i had like a brat uh wow. the press meal one of the options for the press meal was brats of course yeah yeah johnsonville i think nice. obviously do they um, have they have beer in the press box at Lambo. I wish. I wish. No. <laughs> <laughs> they should. That's honestly surprising. It honestly yeah, is. Okay. Well, I'm going through a lot of for my next 
my last pick. I wanted to do like smoked salmon. I wanted to do like steak, but I'm not really a big steak person. I'm going to I'm going to be weird and I'm going to take salt. <laughs> salt? Yeah, cuz you can't eat any of these things without salt. Most of these things would be bad without salt. I don't put salt on my spaghetti, Snickers or strawberries. Yeah, you it's in your spaghetti, but it's not in the other two, right? That's probably some in Snickers. Yeah, there could Probably, be. I mean, actually. salted peanuts. All right. We'll let you have it. I, I have other options if we're not going to allow it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, let, we'll let it slide. Yeah, one of those trick loopholes, right? Like, <laughs> what's the uh, safest um, uh, protection in sex? Abstinence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Salt is the abstinence of foods. <laughs> That's perfect because all our fans will see Ren chose salt and just immediately vote for one of us, Rudy. So we're good. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Let them have it. <laughs> no, they won't. You should go with sugar. Rudy, you should go with sugar. Sugar. Wow. You should. You should. <laughs> I really should, knowing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your Snickers. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, Stir fry. Oh, nice. Solid pick. Good stir fry. Same one with sweet potato fries. I'll go stir fry. All right. I'm bringing us up the rear here. I'm going to go with starbursts. Ooh. It's nope. not even a food. Oh, stop, Mr. Like, I, I love stop starbursts. Don't get you me wrong. You just said salt. You <laughs> just said salt. <laughs> That's not even a food, says the guy who just said salt. Salt is a natural, naturally occurring food in nature. Starburst is like, is in a lab. It's like rubber and, and corn syrup. And it's delicious, but it's not really food. It's like candy. Exactly. Candy can be food, right? <laughs> Rudy, chose, Rudy chooses Snickers. You don't say a word. I choose Starburst. That's because... The whole world's on fire. Well, that's because Star uh, Snickers has like food that occurs in in Earth. Oh, really? You you dig up a Snickers bar and eat it? <laughs> no, you dig up you, like what there's. You I have a Snickers, Snickers garden in my back. Oh, what do you farm? Uh, potatoes? No, Snickers, Snickers bars. Those those Snickers trees are really hard to grow, though. You know, you oh, gotta go high to pick the the best Snickers at the top of the tree. <laughs> are they are they more of a vine fruit? <laughs> I think they're a tree for sure. All right, Mount Rushmore of foods. I won salsa. this. I went with salsa, sweet potato fries, soup, and Starburst, which apparently to, to Ren is not food, so don't eat it. Nick says <laughs> spaghetti, Snickers, strawberries, and stir fry. And uh, Red went with sandwiches, sushi, sausage, and salt. <laughs> You know what I just thought of? I should have just said sauce. <laughs> sauce? Yeah. That would have been good. We would have counted. Starburst sauce. Honorable mention. Sauce yeah. and sugar. Go we ahead. didn't say ingredients that start with us. We said foods. Well, ingredients <laughs> inherently are foods, okay? <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Strawberry is an ingredient. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so doc wish list I, I have a quick idea uh, for a documentary and that is I mean I'm getting antsy for baseball season to start 
World Baseball Classic just started, and that reminded me about Shohei Otani. I had to look through the list of my pitches for this category in the past because I figured I would have pitched him as a doc wish list already. I haven't. He's, I mean, it writes itself like another one of those that writes itself. He's like the modern day Babe Ruth doing it better than Babe Ruth did uh, home. Like one of the best pitchers, one of the best home run hitters in baseball. He's like the most charismatic guy ever. Um, and he's, he arrived on the scene in major league baseball from Japan right five years ago and people were like what is this alien who can do it all and no one's ever done it like this um yeah it would be a great documentary i think he's amazing he's so cool he's crazy yeah it's almost unbelievable and the fact that he plays for the angels and isn't talked of like if you he was a yankee or a met or red sock or something that's all anyone would ever talk about but because he's Mm -hmm. angels it's just like a forgotten topic i feel like might not have to wait for long contract year Ooh, baby yeah and then i'll hate him yeah i know if he goes to the yankees i'll cry myself to sleep he's gonna make so much money i know it's gonna be absurd um i have the next documentary here guys we are nearing volume two end of volume two this is the last one coming up yeah, so we're really moving up here. We're at episode 74, which is wild to say. Um, it's called Angry Sky. It's the story of Nick. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say that last Rudolph. name. I'll... <laughs> What'd you say? Rudolph. Nick Rudolph, a New Jersey pet store owner and truck driver whose love of parachuting and skydiving puts him on a quest to break the record for the highest recorded parachute jump. And I'm super excited about this one now. <laughs> wow, that sounds oh. sick. I know. Let's go. Yeah, That's I am awesome. too. Should we record the next one tomorrow? Dang. <laughs> Let's go watch it right. Actually, no, I have a lot of stuff to watch. Like, I got tomorrow. I got to watch golf. I got to watch hockey. We got to. We all have a lot of sports to watch. So this is a really a uh, high stakes game we're playing with this podcast, but. <laughs> I was like reading it, and as I was reading it, it sounded cooler and cooler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as I was listening. Uh, okay, sweet. I'm glad we learned about Sonny Bacaro. My uh, as we hop off here, thanks for listening. I, I gotta head out to the store, buy buy me some T Max so I can fit in with you guys, and I'll heat up my leftovers, uh, maybe some Starbursts alongside my my dinner tonight. That'll be good. Yeah, hit some threes <laughs> in your T Max and grab a Snickers yeah. on your way home. Yeah, refill with Snickers. It's just, just a healthy, a healthy day. That's great. Thanks for listening, everybody.